We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into another edition of Mind of My Money presented by Argent Wealth. I'm Neil McCready, Martin Palumbo with me here today for what's going to be a short Mind on My Money. We're both uh, on a little bit of a time crunch here on this Thursday, February the uh, 15th. Um, so we'll get we'll dive into this real, real quick. I'll tell you, we'll make the ad part of this very abbreviated. I'm in the Clark Ford studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi. If you're in the vehicle, market for a vehicle, you owe it to yourself to get in touch with uh, Martin. I mean, with uh, Corey Clark at uh, Clark Ford, 662-257-1900. And Martin is in Ridgeland at Argent Wealth. And uh, Martin, before we just dive into a, a quick show here, what's going on there? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if Corey wants me to sell cars for for him, but I do a really good job at helping people figure out their financial puzzle. Um, man, I, I, I said this last week, it's kind of the same. We're in our busy season right now. Folks are, you know, wanting to review last year, kind of talk about this year, make adjustments. And, uh, and we're really talking a lot about planning and making sure that people are on track and they don't have these huge holes. Um, markets have been cooperating. I know we're going to talk about it, uh, you know, on the show. But, you know, folks are listening and they've even if you got your investment stuff squared away, but you don't know about the rest, you know, certainly doesn't hurt to to reach out and uh, and give us a call. 601-957-0323. Uh, or you can email us at info at my argent a r g e n t wealth if you just want to talk about it see if there's any holes that we can help fill all right you you you're telling me just then that uh i think your exact words were uh, bitcoin is ripping right now and i told you i said well <laughs> we could talk about bitcoin but i'm going to be very honest with you and with the audience look i'm not the smartest guy in the world i'm not the dumbest guy in the world i'm somewhere in between um but for whatever reason this subject flies over my head in a way that is frustrating to me. I don't understand Bitcoin, cryptocurrency. I can't make it work in my feeble brain. So yep. feel free to uh, start explaining. But if I, if, I, if, if I don't say a word, it's not because I'm ignoring you. It's because I literally don't understand it and don't want to make an, more of a fool of myself. No. Oh, well, and man, I, but you're not alone in that, though, Neil. I mean most listeners and even some people who are holding themselves out, which we've kind of, I've kind of seen a lot of that. I've seen some of that in the last couple of weeks. There's a, a local, a guy here locally that is a very well-known well name. Um, I won't, I won't say his name, um, has done a lot of good in our community, uh, on his Facebook page or on his social media pages is really, really promoting, um, you know, Bitcoin and he's telling people they should be putting, you know, large chunks of their net worth 
in it, which I, I do, I totally disagree with. So I'm gonna go on the air. I, and I love crypto. I love the um, the potential that it has. Even though, if you held a gun to my head and said, "What is it going to look like in 20 years?" I would not be able to give you, you know, a good answer on how it's going to be relevant in our life, other than it's going to be relevant in our life. Um, but I, I can't go, I can't go out and say people should be loading, you know. 10, 20% of their net worth into, into Bitcoin. Cause at that point I almost say, well, if you're going to put 20% in, why not put a hundred? I mean, we would never tell any clients to, you know, put that large of a portion of their, of their net worth into something that is as volatile as Bitcoin is. So let, let's actually do a little bit of, are you cool with kind of going on down a little history lesson? Yeah. For uh for yeah. for Bitcoin. We're just gonna go back for the last couple of years. So last year Bitcoin was up, you know, gosh, hundred north of 130%. Um this year, you know, kind of end of the year, beginning of January, it was trading at almost forty four thousand a coin. Today it is up, you know, as of right now, as of recording, uh up over over fifty two thousand for for a coin so it has increased you know by call that almost ten thousand almost ten thousand dollars so uh, 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 back in the envelope math uh, up almost twenty percent you know this year so there's something that's happening this year that happens about every four years called a halving which they kind of cut the supply that's going to be able to be mined in half historically that halving has been followed by a pretty large you know, run up in pricing. I'm, I'm not confident that's going to happen this time. Um, it certainly, it certainly could, but I don't think we're going to see the run ups like we've seen, you know, in the past. And the last big one, um, you know, was kind of the, the 2019, the 2019, 2020 run up where you saw it, you know, really, really catapult. But for, for reference for all of our listeners, you only have to go back two two years ago ish, a little more than two years ago, when Bitcoin peaked at sixty two thousand. Here's why I would never tell people go load the boat up on the on cryptocurrency. Don't I would I would not say put twenty percent of your net worth in there because it went from sixty two thousand in November of twenty twenty one down to you know, it's, it's lows were just a year later, December of 22, it was down at 16,000. So if you, you bought it 62 and you held on to it, you know, down to 16,000, I mean, that is a, what, a 65, 70%, 65, 60, 65% loss. So you had a hundred thousand bucks, you invested into Bitcoin at the end of 21, you just, let's say you're the most unlucky person in the world. You had your $100,000, you held on to it, your 100000 turned into, you know, if you lost 65%, turned into $35,000. And But if you held on to it, you know, now you're, you're getting pretty close back. We're at, we're at 52000 So you're probably, your 100000 is probably worth ninety now. So the smart play, which is the play no one ever does, is if you bought in, if you were confident enough to buy in at the top at, you know, it's 62, 64, 
$1,000, you should have also been buying it when it was 16000 right? Because the whole adage is buy low, sell high. But what most people do or would have done is it, you know, if you bought in it on November 8th, it was 64000 November 8th of 2021, it was 64000 If you bought in, more than likely, if you got down to sixteen, you probably lost confidence and said, this thing is going to go to zero, which it, those, it, it rarely ever does. The smart thing would have been buying it on the way down, buying a little bit on the way down, buying more at the bottom. So you're actually, you're actually what's called dollar cost averaging. You're buying it at a, at a lower price. And that's the way you need to actually buy like really volatile or uncertain investments. You don't load the whole boat, you know, of what you're going to put in at one time, you know, start putting in a little bit, drip it in a little bit over time so that you can get, you know, so that you can, that you have a better chance of, of not buying at the top and, and then you're going to want, end up selling at the bottom. Uh, but that's what most people do is they will buy high and they will sell low. And that's, you know, I know there's been a lot of, um, there's been a lot of things recently that have also helped kind of the Bitcoin, um, narrative, which was, uh, that the SEC recently, um, approved these ETFs to be traded on an exchange where you could buy a Bitcoin spot ETF. So it's an ETF that just tracks the price of Bitcoin. So you don't actually own the coin. You just own a share of an ETF that actually owns coins underneath. So there's more, there's uh there's, there's different ways people can own Bitcoin today than, than they used to be able to. And one of them is in your portfolio. So if you have a, you know, a Schwab or a Fidelity or, or an account that you manage where you're, you know, it's not your 401k. Um, it's a very high likelihood that you could go purchase, you know, an ETF that tracks Bitcoin. So that's kind of helped, you know, the pricing, um, move a little bit. And we saw those big price movements. Cause I mean, just back in October, which really was three months ago. Is my math right there? Yeah. Yeah. Three, three months uh, ago, October, five months ago. Yeah. Five months ago. Yeah. You're probably right. Yeah. Four or five months ago, Bitcoin's trading at 27,000 and it's essentially doubled in the last it's, it's at 52. So, I mean, essentially, ha it actually, yeah, it has doubled. 26000 to 52000 it has doubled in five, six months. And a lot of that has been because of, you know, access to, easier access to it for folks in their portfolios. But what was also happening was those, the exchange-traded funds that were coming to market, that knew they were coming to market, they end up, they did have to buy coins to be able to hold them underneath. So you saw this kind of, you know, quick rise in, mid-October, um, you know, into the lower 40s by early December. So in a one-month period, you know, it kind of blew up. It kind of blew up pretty quickly. So there is a halving that's coming up in April, which if it's if it's historically like it's been, it should continue to, to, to tear. But I'm just not – I'm not 100% confident that it's going to – that it's going to rip like it has in the past. But what does keep happening is – it is, this is volatile, man. It swings huge, but it does seem to be that the highs are getting higher and the lows are also getting higher. So you're just having that, that really, those really big swings. So for, for listeners that are, 
saying like, Hey, I really don't, don't know much about this stuff. I would start really, really small, but I do think that I do think that Bitcoin and Ethereum, you know, are the coins and the blockchain that are going to be around in the future. And I, I don't know all the applications that are going to come from it, but it's, I just, I, I make, I say this is equivalent to the internet of the late nineties when, you know, it was kind of a novel thing. We we're kind of like, all right, Hey, that's kind of cool that you can, you know, go to on your computer and look at a discovery channel page and it has, you know, animals on the discovery channel page, or, Hey, I can order a book uh, and it can be delivered to my door instead of, you know, going to the bookstore and, you know, and buying a book. Um, but I mean, I know that I've said this over and over again, and, but I think it's worth repeating, you know, if you bought Amazon in 1997, thinking you were buying a, an online book retailer, that was not, that's not the value of Amazon. But if you thought that, Hey, I'm investing into this because this is going to be the best online bookstore in the world. That's not what created all of Amazon's value. It was Amazon web services, obviously the package delivery services, you know, it's, it's huge, but you would have undersold the future value of your investment if you thought that it was just going to be a, an online bookstore. Yeah. Yeah. So again, man, I have no idea what's going to happen with coins, Bitcoin. And, and for Americans, dude, it really is hard for us to look at it like a store of value as an alternative store of value, just because our dollar is such a stable currency at the moment. But, you know, if we lived in Venezuela or if we lived in Argentina or in Zimbabwe and we're earning our paycheck in that local currency and that local currency continues to devalue every day because of hyperinflation, you know, uh, option like Bitcoin as a stable store of value is very attractive. When people might say like, hey, I'd rather have my paycheck in Bitcoin where I know that I'm at least going to have you know, access to a potentially rising uh, value in the future versus getting paid in Venezuelan or Argentinian pesos uh, or I don't even know what the Zimbabwe's currency is called. But it's kind of like the, the German mark, dude, post-World War II. I mean, it just became worthless. So those are cases so I could really see the store of value as a case. But it's hard for us to imagine that in the U.S. And I'm sure even for Europeans, you know, with the euro, it's hard to make that case as an alternative store of value. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I verbally vomited all over you. No, no. Uh, and I'm about Bitcoin. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to understand that it's um, it's just a you know we're going we're entering we you and I always talk about this everything is uh everything is is so fascinating right now because there's so much happening in the world there's so much happening in our country um there seems to be this almost I do a show with uh, Josh Hendrickson who's the chair of the economics department at Ole Miss. It's called uh, very creatively the Josh Hendrickson show. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, me, Hey, Neil, think of a title. Oh, you got it. Um, so is mine on my money, the most creative, uh, show title we have. Yeah. And that's your time. You came up with it. Um, so, uh, yeah. When you asked me, Hey, come up with the name of a show. I'm like, how about, uh, 
about we just call it the person's name and put the word show in the end? Um, why not? I guess from an organization standpoint, it does make it easy. It does. Like, hey, that's the Neil it, McGrady show. It, it, that's it, the and, Martin and also from, show. From a labeling standpoint, it's kind of easier too. Um, yeah. But, you know, there's a lot going on. And like I was, we, he and I were talking in, on his show yesterday about, you know, there's this thing that's happening in Texas where a group of other states are not only saying, hey, we support Texas about the border against the federal policy, but we're going to send National Guard's troops to help. To help. So wow. there's a lot of stuff happening, right? And then you have this election and Trump and trials, and it's just, it, it, it's overwhelming, like, really. You, it's almost impossible to keep up with everything that's happening. It, it's, it's a, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating time. I've told people for a while that this is. I've told my kids. You probably told your kids. I'm like, pay attention to this year, because this is a year that you will be. Your kids and grandkids, I believe, will ask you about 2024, 50 years from now. Yeah, I think I really so too, believe. Man. I've told my parents. I've told my kids when you're in your 70s. I think your grandkids will be talking to you about. Oh, you. You were you you were alive in that 2024 thing when all that stuff went down. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I mean, and and man, I think that there, I, I do feel like this will be a a pretty pivotal year. It'll probably be one of the, you're right. I think it'll be one of those years where we say, man, that was uh, a lot of stuff happening at, at one time, especially if we kind of get to November and there is a, there's a shakeup again of, you know, of, of the white house and, you know, and Trump goes back to the white house, which ADD moment, by the way, have you, have you ever, I've just, I just ran down this rabbit hole and I just discovered this guy, um, in the last couple of weeks and I, I cannot stop watching him. He's a stand up comedian, uh, and his name is Shane Gillis and he does these impressions of Trump that are absolutely hysterical. And he doesn't, he doesn't actually say anything Trump. He, he repeats the words verbatim that Trump says, but it's, it's hysterical because he'll add a little bit of color in like. When we, uh, 
one that comes to mind is when um when our special forces um you know killed the the leader of ISIS <laughs> and he comes out and he gives the speech and Trump gives a speech about you know we he oh, cried like a this. he cried and uh and we call him crybaby Baghdadi but he's doing the <laughs> the hand motion and just the gestures and I was watching I was like, that's hysterical. That is so unpresidential. And he didn't change anything that he said. He just verbatim <laughs> said the same words. And dude, I have, I've been, uh, I have been pretty stressed out the last couple of weeks and I've had a couple of, of, of difficult nights sleeping and I would watch Shane Gillis and just laugh. And then I would end up falling asleep. Um, just for, you know, from laughing and letting go of, I guess all of the stress and tension I was holding. And so I don't know, Shane Gillis has kind of become my, my go-to, uh, you know, uh, knocking things. And I can't wait to see some of his stand up about this presidential election. Cause I've just been watching his stuff. That's, you know, I guess a little bit older and he's, I guess he's been on Joe Rogan several times. Um, anyway, I didn't mean to, to take us down that rabbit trail, but it just, when we're starting talking about like all the weirdness of this year and, made me think about Trump. And then I just, it, it hit me with the, I mean, and I've needed Shane Gillis for, for, uh, for the last couple of weeks to give me something to laugh about and, and go to sleep. And he does. So I'll also say this full disclosure, you know, Jennifer, my wife is a full-time volunteer at little lighthouse. And it's, you know, it's special needs kids that are mm -hmm. birth to age six and Shane Gillis has an uncle that is has down syndrome and i don't he's not making fun of uh like special needs people but he's kind of just pointing out he actually says he's like dude they're the happiest people that they, they don't get stressed out about politics they don't get stressed out about you know who's doing what when and where like he's like they're like dogs they are the happiest people they're just so happy to see you you know when you come when you come see them but he does a little bit of comedy around uh like the special needs down syndrome stuff and it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. I shouldn't be laughing about it, but, but Jennifer's watched a couple times. She's like, you don't, you don't need to be watching that. And I'm like, he's not making fun of him, babe. He's, he's actually, you know, he's got an uncle and he's just talking about some of the funny things that, yeah. that they do. Plus talk about how happy they are. But anyway, we don't, we want to get in that into the, get into that on the show. But anyway, I, I've just, I've I found Shane Gillis and he's been a godsend for me being able to go to sleep last couple of weeks. Just, I always like to do this with you. I like to just look at headlines. Yeah. Um, it's fascinating, right? This is Wall Street Journal, which I think is just kind of this middle-of-the-road deal. Biden advisor says soft landing helped by public spending boost. Immigration wave delivers economic windfall, but there's a catch. <laughs> uh, U.S. shoppers cut back in January. Uh, World's major economies fall behind U.S. U.K. inflation rising steady, raising prospects of rate cuts. There's just, again, man, I mean, and so many of these stories here in, in mid-February, literally the middle point of February today, how these stories play out are going to play such a huge, such a role in, in, um, what, what happens, happens in November, November and, and, 100%. The Wall, and the Wall Street Journal had a, a, story out yesterday Let's see if i can find it so much has happened that it might have bumped it to a different page um well i will say one thing while you're looking for that well, here the, it is go ahead go ahead say okay. it now. but i was I, gonna say you know, the up. print the print for inflation came in a little hotter uh than they thought it was going to 
which could make the case for the Fed actually holding steady, which I thought they might cut in the April-May meeting. And with that print being a little bit higher, um, it's, it's, I think it's even more likely that we don't, we won't even get a cut to until the, maybe the second half uh, of the year, if we get one, which for my clients that have bonds, I'm totally okay with, uh, but it does, that does impact Biden's Bidenomics um, conversation. If, if we don't get rate cuts. All right. So here's why this is also interesting to me is that, and again, this is 2020, this is middle February of 2024. This is, uh, the latest forecast from uh, the Cook Political Report with Amy Walter, Inside Elections with Nathan L. Gonzalez and Larry Sabato's Crystal Ball at the University of Virginia Center for Politics. So they, the Wall Street Journal took these three and sort of combined them to come up with averages and, and stuff. Okay. And what they came up with as of today in the presidential election is it's Democrats over Republicans. They didn't, they didn't go Biden Trump, but I think it's safe to say it's as of today, it's Biden Trump. It's you need two, 270 electoral college votes to win. Biden has 221 safe or likely Trump has 218 safe or likely mm. Trump has 17 leaning to him, which would give him 235. Biden has 20 leaning to him, which would give him 241. Obviously, both of those numbers are lower than 270. Right. So you've got 99 basically competitive things, uh, electoral votes, 20 to leaning to, to Biden, 17 leaning to Trump, which leaves 62 toss-up electoral votes out of 430, whatever. That that's That's remarkable how close it is right now. I mean, it is razor thin. In the Senate, yeah, all it takes is one thing going awry. And yes, yes. So, but it here's sinks what, one of either one of them. Here's what's crazy is that you can make an argument. Well, I'll do this. I'll say I'll, I'll roll through these first. Cool. In the Senate right now, there are 50 seats that are safe or likely Republican. There are 43 seats that are safe or likely Democrat. There's four seats that are leaning Democrats. We'll give them the lean. That's 47. There are three that are leaning Republican. So that's 53 to 47. That would do it. There's only seven competitive seats. Only in the Senate. In the Senate. Okay. In the House, and you need, in the House, you need, uh, what is the number that you need to, to uh, you need 218 for a majority if there are no vacancies. You have 188 that either are safe or likely to Democrats. You have 202 that are either safe or likely to Republicans. You have 11 that lean Republican, which we get them to 213. You have 15 that lean Democrat, which we get the Democrats to 203. So you've got a very close race there where the Republicans are close, but they're not to 218. And the Democrats are a little further behind, but very much within striking distance. You basically only have a toss-up of about 19 seats. So in other words, there's a scenario that's quite realistic where the Democrats control all three bodies, all three House, they own the White House, the House, and the Senate. Yep, sweep it. And you can also very realistically, 
if you just look at these numbers, do the same thing for the Republicans, where they win back the White House, maintain the Senate, and win the House. It's it's right there in front of you. It's like so everything that's happening is 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 critical. Uh, is, is critical right now because yep. you know it's it's why there's all the angst among Democrats. There's a lot of angst among Republicans, frankly, who do not understand this Trump thing. And there are a lot of Democrats who just are like, man, can we run this guy? I mean, can we can we take can we really run this player again? And and so you know it's it's you've you've got all the stuff about the economy. You know the, the the what came out was that hey, inflation didn't cool as much as maybe they thought. So interest rates probably aren't going to drop anytime soon. You know, and the Democrats are like, we need to, we need that to happen. And and yep, you know, there's just a lot. There's just a lot there. Well, the Democrat from a messaging standpoint, the last thing the Democrats need this year is for inflation to reignite. That is catastrophic for their campaign because they have run hard on Bidenomics and, and <laughs> I will say, and the last, you know, several months, um, has kind of helped them. It's favored them. It's favored. They were saying, Hey, look, you know, everything that Biden is doing is working and, um, you know, inflation is abating, um, you know, wages are rising, uh, cost of goods are, are falling. People are going to have more money in their pocket. And at which point the fed, if the fed cuts, then folks get a little bit of reprieve and their credit card, you know, minimum payments because the interest rates on their credit cards go down. Folks that have home equity lines of credit, um, you know, their interest carry on their home equity line, you know, goes down and they're, they're able to start putting a dent back into debt that has been racked up. But the worst thing that could happen for, for Biden this, you know, this year, especially down this stretch of the next six to seven months is that, that inflation reignites, which I'm, I'm not saying that it, you know, going up from 2.9 to 3.1 year over year, I'm not calling that a reignition of of inflation. However, if next month the print goes from 3.1 to 3.2, then the next month you get a 3.2 to 3.5, you could see how it could start creeping back up. And then at that point, the Fed says, we are not cutting rates because inflation is not choked out and you know is it possible i'm going to pull a wild card scenario if if the inflation reignites do they actually have to reverse course and do another quarter point hike then at that point it doesn't matter if it's a quarter point a half a point you know or it could even be a it's it's not possible to do this but a 0 0.05 point it's the it's the it's the mental it is the emotional signals that get sent to to everyone that hey we are not okay we thought we were okay mm -hmm. it's reigniting you know the fed's about to have to raise rates again and i think that's where you get emotional pandemonium that is the worst thing that could happen for the democrats probably the best thing that could happen for trump um is either a delayed cut or even a hike i don't think that that's i mean i'm not the don't i'm not going on record saying you know a hike is coming this year i'm not saying that but if inflation does reignite and we go from, you know, 2.9% inflation year over year and we get close to four, 
I mean, I think the Fed probably goes, well, hold on. Uh, our, our, our hold steadies are not working. So we need to, we need to hike a quarter point. And then we, maybe we hold it a quarter point. That means at that point, even if they only do one hike this year, we get no cuts this year. All the cuts are out the window. Maybe cuts happen, you know, next year, but that's catastrophic for Bidenomics or the campaigning on Bidenomics. Yeah. If you hold a gun to my head, I'm going to say that is not the base case. That's, you know, not a wild card. I mean, I'm going to say, I don't know, maybe 25, 30. I'm just throwing statistics at it. 25% chance that right, happens. You know, we're going to add something. I didn't even forewarn you for this. I'm going to throw this at you, and this is going to uh -oh. this is going to become a thing we do at the end of every one of our uh, podcasts <laughs> for this 2020-24. You're going to put me on the spot? Yeah, we'll put us both on the spot. Uh -oh. and you get to change. You get to change. You get to change as many times as you want to. Okay, cool. So this might be an interesting thing to sort of gauge what you think is going to happen and whether those opinions change. If you, I won't do gun to your head. There was a shooting yesterday and I hate, I, don't, I need to stop doing that. Um, yep. Thoughts and prayers. And I know that's not enough. Whatever. We could have that conversation another time too. There's, there's one day might, we might even do a show where we get real about these shootings and stuff and what this is. Cause I, I, I think there's a lot there. I think there's a lot there that goes beyond gun control and all that. I think I think there's a lot there. Anyway, if you had to predict today, had to put money on it, had to put a significant amount of money on it, what is the result of the 2024 election? If you had to predict today on February the 15th, what would you predict? And we'll follow these predictions as we go. Mm. All right. Holding everything else, ceteris paribus. So everything else constant. If it was I mean, today, no, you can try to project yeah. the future into this prediction if you want to. Just or, no, or you can say, I don't think based on what I know today. Here's what if I elections think. were today. Yes, what would happen? Ah, uh, I don't know, man. I'm gonna give. A, I'll give a slight. Well, okay, I'm gonna give a slight tilt to Trump. Okay, today, and that's only because inflation ticked up from two nine to like three, one, three, two. And that's not the, that's not the direction that Biden needs. So I think he loses his Bidenomics conversation today. Okay. My prediction as of today is Biden would win by the narrowest of possible margins to the point that there would be as much as our country would hate this, there would be a lot of contesting of the election that it would be razor, razor thin, razor thin. Fair enough. Uh, that he would win just enough of the swing states to win by the really the slightest margin possible, all, like winning a Super Bowl in overtime, and that there would be. You mean on a, on a, on a last play as time is running out overtime? Yeah, I mean like that. It would it would be where fourth down, fourth and. Goal. I, I think it's going to be. Goal doesn't do it. My prediction today is that in the days leading up to the election, it is going to be so close in the polling data and everything else that there's going to be literal panic on both sides. I, I, I've, I've said this for a while. I think it's going to be super contentious, and I believe that. Yep. All right. That's well, what I said there. I said slight edge to. I think the same thing. I would say I would say, I was thinking razor razor thin, slight edge to Trump on economics. 
So I respect your razor thin margin. I mean, it's a toss up. So yeah, I mean, that's totally, totally in. Now, yeah. if inflation was at 4% or higher and you said Biden, I would say, Neil, no. What no, the hell if, did you smoke before no, we started if, this show, if, man? If economic factors if completely if, deteriorate. If economic factors deteriorate much at all and uh, the border remains the issue that it is today, yep. maybe you throw in just enough stuff overseas that people are angry. It, I'm in the minority on this. I think there is a scenario where from an electoral college standpoint, Trump wins comfortably. I don't think it's likely, but I do think that scenario exists. And I don't know. I don't know that there is a scenario that exists outside of a Trump conviction of some sort, where Biden wins super comfortably. He can't run. No, we gotta. He can't run the same race that he ran in 2020 because the the dynamics are different. And and now there's the the her report's going to hurt him because you can't get worked up about the 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 stuff being held at Mar-a-Lago if you're if you're not willing to read the her report so the, the 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 moderate the the people who will decide this election have a lot to think about yeah i agree with that all right we'll wrap it there and uh get in touch with with martin and the people at argent at myargentwealth.com. that's m-y argent a-r-g-e-n-t wealth.com um so that does it for this edition of mine and my money for martin palomo i'm neil mccready we'll be back next week we'll give you a longer one and we'll wrap that one up with our predictions next week as well so until then for martin i'm neil take care I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.